John chapter 12 reads, The next day, at verse 12, the next day the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's cot. When we read the scripture on this special day, Palm Sunday, we are reminded of the prophetic word that was declared in Zechariah 9 verses 9, where it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. I will bend Judah as I bend my bow and fill it with Ephraim. I will rouse your son Zion against your son's Greece and make you like a warrior's sword. When Jesus entered into Jerusalem, Riding on a donkey, the people came to praise him and to sing Hosanna to his name. And it was prophecy that was being fulfilled. When we look at the book of Zechariah 9 and verse 9, it speaks about us rejoicing because Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? You believe that this morning? It says, see your king is coming to you. He is the one that will rule over everything. From sea to sea, he rules. He proclaims peace to the nations. He is our God. But you know what's important for us? In verse 11, it says, As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you. What's important for us as believers, as we prepare ourselves to enter into the next week that's coming, our time of Easter celebration, is to remember our covenant with the Lord, to have a covenant with the Lord, to make sure our covenant with the Lord is secure, to make sure that we have this covenant with Him because when He came and He died upon the cross, He shed His blood for us and we have a covenant with Him. And when we walk under that anointing and that covenant and that covering, then we will be more than overcomers. It says here at the end, towards the end of that chapter, that you will be like a warrior's sword. A warrior's sword is a sword that is there to destroy, kill, defeat the enemy. When, no matter what you may be going through, for those that are here in the house of God this morning, even those that are watching us online, no matter what you may be going through, you, if you have a covenant with the Lord, you are like a warrior's sword. You can defeat the enemy. You can stand up and be an overcomer no matter what comes your way. You are more than a conqueror because of Christ who strengthens you. He says in his word that he came and he came to save us. He came to restore us. We now have a relationship with the Father. 
So I want you to be encouraged today on the special, special Palm Sunday. For you to be encouraged and to know that we serve a God who is alive. We serve a God who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We serve a God, although He came humble, riding on a donkey into Jerusalem, but He is the King of Kings. He is our God Almighty. He is the one who has made us a warrior sword in His hand. Let us just bow for a word of prayer. Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we can stand on this Palm Sunday knowing, God, that you are victorious. And because you are victorious and you are more than, you have made us more than overcomers. You said, Lord, that the power and the authority that you have, you have given unto us. So when we stand today, Lord, we don't stand weak. We don't stand defeated. But we stand in the power and the authority that you have given us as children of the Most High God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that even as we have come into your presence this morning, we have not come into your presence, Lord Jesus, just to come and just stand and do nothing, but we come to praise the mighty God. We come to glorify your name. We come to lift you up on high. We come to raise our voices. We come to raise our hands and to proclaim and to say, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest.
have this confidence And you'll finish what you started You never
that today, O oh God, no spirit of depression, O oh God, no spirit, O oh God, of the enemy will come and cloud their minds and cloud their spirits. I declare, O oh God, a spirit of liberty, because whom the Son of Man has set free is free indeed. I declare that every bondage, every chain, everything that Christ, O oh God, will hold, put a chain and put a lock and put a hold over their lives is broken in the name of Jesus.
I don't know whether you're glad to see me, but I, I'm glad to see you. Amen, amen, amen. Well, God bless you, and we, we're excited of just having you in the house of the Lord together with us as we, we start off our, our Easter celebration, and we started off with our Palm Sunday service. Amen. So welcome to all of you, and we pray that on this day that you will be blessed of the Lord, that you will experience just the grace of the Lord over our lives. Now, we know last year, this time, we weren't allowed to meet, and uh, but we thank God for this moment that we can meet. Amen? Amen. And uh, I'll remember on Friday is our Easter Friday service, our Good Friday service from at 7 and at 9, and then next Sunday at 7 and at 9 is our Easter Sunday, amen, our resurrection morning service. Amen? So we trust in God that we want to still celebrate Christ. Now, I remember growing up in church, and uh, our, our pastors at those, day, those days were older, and uh, our pastors used to say, uh, you know, there's coming a time when you won't have the opportunity to meet in church like this. Mm. And I always thought, man, what is he saying? You know, because you could just go to church whenever you wanted, you could just meet when you wanted. But the, the, the strangest thing is we live in a time when, this, when meeting in church becomes a luxury. And with all of the freedoms that we have and all the constitutional rights that we have, even the freedom of religion, we still can't meet when we want to meet. Somebody's determined. I want you to also pray for the church and the body of Christ. I believe this is the day that the scripture spoke about, that in the last days the hearts of men will grow cold, that men will become lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. That it, it is the last days that we are living in, in the fact that we're seeing the fulfillment of this prophecy, of many other prophecies, you know. Um, when they said, you know, there'll come a time when the church will be persecuted. We didn't quite understand what it meant to be persecuted. But I believe that the church of God, even in South Africa, has been under attack. And I want us to keep the church in prayer. That even our leaders and our political leaders are not in favor of the body of Christ at this time. And everything that has been done, we need to become aware of the spirit of deception that also permeates our country. And these are not only our country, but the nations of the world. More than ever before, the only thing they want to shut down is the church. Mm -hmm. You can go to the gym, spend as much time as you want. No mask, you're okay. You can go to the casino, any amount of number of people, it's fine. But the church, 50 and 100. You go to the mall, no matter how many people. Come on, we, we've got to legitimately look at this. This is not something that is normal. Yeah. And the, the longer we see it as normal, we will miss out the understanding that there is an attack. There is a subtle attack. But the enemy, the Bible says that's how the enemy comes in. He comes in like a thief in the night. He comes to rob, to steal, and destroy. You know, if you look at the process, rob, steal, and destroy. The structure is when you can see the aftermath of what has happened. You know, it's like someone that is in a company that's been stealing money for a long time. You don't, you don't catch them out till the point that when you really see a lot of things missing, then you start. Or someone is in your home and they, they're busy stealing stuff from you. You don't notice one or two things going missing. 
But after a while, when quite a few things are missing, you take notice of it. That's how the enemy operates. He doesn't take everything at once. And so we need to become aware that there is a coming and we need to understand this and I'll talk a little bit more about it, be descending of the, the times that we live in. So in this time, there is an obligation of us as a church to begin to raise up a people that know God. And the Bible says, for those that know their God will do mighty exploits. That means we need to know those things that are affecting those things that belong to our peace. Now, in, in, in the start of the, the account on when Jesus comes to Jerusalem, the point of scripture where Annie read today, before that, as Jesus comes near Jerusalem, he weeps over Jerusalem. He weeps over Jerusalem and he, and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you will kill the prophets. And the messengers that are sent you. He says, Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks. He comes and he thirdly he says, Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how you have missed the day of your visitation. He's, he's, he's weeping over a city, and I believe in the same way God is weeping over the earth today. He says, How long have I desired to gather you? But you will not. Like a hen gathers her chicks, it's almost as saying, I want to protect you. I want to cover you. I want to, I want to watch over you. But, you but, but, but the more I want to do it, the more you push away. He says, he says, the things that belong to your peace, that means there are things that, that, that God has desired even for Jerusalem. And even today, the church of Jesus Christ says things that God has desired for us, but we, everything that should be drawing us closer to him is more than that. It's pushing us away. Instead of us drawing closer to God, we're moving further and further away from Him. I thought difficult times will make us draw closer to God. But it doesn't seem to be that way. It seems like difficult times make us go more further away from Him. He says, you do not discern the things that belong to your peace. So today, I pray that God will make us discern. And the way that we learn how to do this is that when we begin to be trained. Now, Genesis chapter 14, we see that Abraham, he had trained men within his own household. The Bible said he had 318 members of his army. And when he heard that his relative was under attack, he went he went, in, he went to begin to defend him and he was able to call 318 men, trained men. Now I want you to understand this. I believe within Potter's house and within the family of Potter's house, wherever we are, that every church has to have those that are born into the vision of the house and are committed to it. That means we cannot go into battle with people that do not have the vision of the house at heart. That means if we are both going into battle but we don't understand what we are fighting, what we are engaged in, we won't be able to win the battle. Now remember when we started out the lockdown and there were many uh, cliches that were thrown out and people showed pictures of empty churches and they said the, the buildings may be empty but the church is deployed. They use the military term of deploying. Now deploying means that you're sending out your, your military to another place. 
And so when we say that the, the, the church is deployed, that means they've gone to battle, they've gone to war. But a year later, as I look at the condition of the, the church today, not everyone that went into battle stayed in the battle. Not everyone that went to battle, some have absconded. That means they just left. There are some that went AWOL. That means they were engaged in the battle, but after a while, they just disappeared and they went off and doing their own thing. There are some that never went to battle at all. Why am I saying this? There are some that just went away, but never came into what God really had for them. So this is very, very important for us to understand that Right now, there is an importance on us equipping and training the church of Jesus Christ to do and to be all that God has called them to be. Secondly, we have to understand that everyone that is part of the army of, of, of Abraham, they, were, they had to be faithful people. They had to be joined together in a common purpose. That means you cannot go to battle with people that are not faithful. Not loyal. Amen. How many of you know that one of the, the, the greatest attacks right now is the spirit of loyalty. People are not loyal to what God has called them to do. So we need in the army of God, in, in Potter's house as part of the family of God, we should be loyal. Amen. We should be loyal, we should be honorable, we should be faithful to the purpose that God has called us to. But the last thing uh, the, the, of those that were part of Abraham's army was that they were armed. Now there's a difference between Abraham's army and the army of Saul. In, in Samuel, when, when Saul went to battle, only Saul and his sons had, had, had uh, weapons and when they went into battle. And the rest of the soldiers that went with Saul did not have any weapons. Now, I want you to understand this. When Saul was and his sons were killed, the rest of the people began to run away. And the reason they ran away was because they weren't equipped for the battle. The reason why the church of God does not stay in the midst of the fight is because they've never been trained to be in battle. They've never been equipped for the battle that they are facing. So right now, I believe the greatest challenge to the present day church is being equipped for the battle that we've been engaged in. So, so this is not a typical Palm Sunday service or a typical sermon. But I want you to understand the message comes from the point of when Jesus looked at Jerusalem, he wept over it. He wept over it because they weren't equipped to handle the challenge of the day. Today, I believe, our responsibility, my responsibility, is to equip you to be able to engage in the battle that you will be facing. How do you do it? Like Abraham, we have to have trained men that when the moment for deployment takes place, we know that they will be able to stand in the midst of, of adverse circumstances, stand in the midst of this. That means we, we need to have a church that when, when, when the doors of the church is closed and you cannot meet physically, the church is still praying. The church is still evangelizing. 
The church is still standing for their faith. The church is still doing the work that God has called them to do. That their faith, they did not become weaker, but they understand all that we were training for is this moment. And now we are doing what we were trained to do. You, you, you see, the thing is that in your training time, you, all you're doing is being prepared for what you will possibly face. But when it comes to the, the, the time when you have to engage in battle, you now have to apply all that you learn. That means the trainer is not with you in the battle. You're standing in the battle alone. But all that you were informed and all that you were equipped to do, you are able to apply. So that's the important thing. You know, in my time in the police, I used to train, uh, train police officials. And, and one of the things is that when you get into the training, the major point about the training was you're equipping them for, for what is to come. That means the person that is there never was in battle before. I remember the days when we used to go to the to the shooting range to teach people how to shoot. And for some of them, it was the first time they had a gun. And it was the most scariest thing. Because you give them the gun and some of them are turning around with a loaded gun. And all of us ducking because you know, we know what can happen. You know? and, so it's, uh, and so sometimes the instructor, in order to train them, used to whack them in the back. You keep forward. Uh, some of them, when they shoot the gun, they cry and cry. The first time you hear the sound, you feel the, the impact, everything. And then the sound them close their eyes and they shoot everywhere and they shoot everybody's target beside their own. <laughs> but the initial part of the training, because eventually you're going to face an enemy, but you're going to have to be able to deal with it. And that time you can't close your eyes. And that time you can't cry. So you do everything in the training field. So when we're in church, it's your time to be trained. It's your time to be equipped. So get, understand, get, get all the tears out, get all the fear out, get all the, this, because it's going to get hard. Amen? So I want you to understand that we pray that as a church we'll be equipped. Come, come, let's go with me to the book of Psalm chapter 34. I want to just share with you a few thoughts. The other day I had an opportunity just to pray with Neil and the family. And I was just sharing with them some principles out of Psalm 34. And I want to use those even as a point as, as part of our equipping today. Verses 1. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. The, this poor man called to the Lord and he heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around you, around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may, 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 may grow weak and hungry, 
but those that seek the Lord lack no good thing. Hallelujah. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you to fear the Lord. Whoever, whoever of you that loves life and desires to see many good things. Amen. He says, come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days. Amen. This is important for us. Let, let, let's go through it. It says, I will exalt the Lord at all times. How do I exalt the Lord? How do I lift up the name of the Lord? He goes on to qualify it and he says, and his praise shall continuously or always be on my lips. Amen. I want you to get to that place where every day you have a word of the Lord on your lips. Amen. Something to say, Lord, I thank you. That's what praise is. Praise is really thanking God for who he is. Amen. Uh, and, and, and just worshiping him and just loving on God. Amen. With everything that is inside of you. So I want you to get to that place where you exalt the Lord continuously. Praises should flow continuously and freely out of your lips. It says, I will glory in the Lord. Amen. That means we should not glory in our own achievements. Our own accomplishments, we should glory in the Lord. This is this is the, the encouragement in the scriptures. The Bible says we have to get to the place where we can come before God and say, Lord, you take the glory. No glory. The Bible says, let no flesh glory in his presence. We're gonna get, we have to come to this place where it's not just about us, it's about him. Come on. It can't be about you. If you make life and you're living only about you, all you will do is focus on your existence. And all you'll do is the more you do to try and exist, the more you will, it will elude you. The more you pursue things just for your own selfish need or want to gain, all it will do is what you pursue will either consume you or it will always elude you. That means you will never catch it. You would never get it. It will, it will always be like you. Uh, what, what they in cliché say, you're, you're chasing after a pipe dream. You're chasing after something that you can never ever attain. So I pray today, the Bible says, I will glory in the Lord. Amen. It says, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Amen. So he says, it's not something you just do on your own. So I'm encouraging every family that is here today. Exalt the Lord together. Amen. Glorify the Lord together. That means even in your, in your time of your, of, of your family altars, whatever, you know, I know many families pray together. But in that also speak of the goodness of God. Speak of what God has done that day. Exalt his name together. That means together begin to say, God, you've been faithful to us. There's been so many things that they have, they, uh, I've been speaking to so many families and they've been speaking of things that has been happening to them that was out of the ordinary and they found spiritual attacks. But in that spiritual attack, God delivered them. God watched over them. God protected them. And, and so I want you to get to the place where we think, give thanks to God for get, uh, together. It says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. The Bible says, seek and you shall 
Find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Ask and it shall be given unto you. The Bible says seek the Lord. The Bible says also goes on to say seek the Lord while it was day because the night come when no man can work. And the, and the reference of that is that there comes a day when we all will sleep that is talking about physical dying. That means it says the night comes when no man can work. We have to seek the Lord while it is day. That means while there is an opportunity for us to, to work, to do the work that the Lord has called us. Amen. What has God called you to do? I was speaking this morning about vision and I spoke about having uh, 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 your personal vision, then having a public vision and having uh, you know, uh, you know, a purpose vision. And a lot of times, a lot of um, you know, life coaches, a lot of training motivational speakers speak about purpose and the importance of having a purpose and working towards your purpose and what. But I understand that if I do not have a personal vision, that means my personal vision is made up of my values, my goals, about good, good and godly character, about moral living. If I don't have a strong base of personal vision, trying to achieve the purpose in life. So if God's purpose for your life is to excel you in business, or God's purpose for your life is for you to, 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 to be influential in the marketplace. If that's God's purpose for your life, if you don't have good morals and values, when you get to the place where you enjoy, where you should be enjoying success, success begins to consume you because it all got about where you're going to, but it didn't get about how I'm going to get there. So sometimes our children, even in us nurturing our children to fulfill God's purpose for their life, we have to understand you're going to have to have a, a, a vision for your family. You're going to have to have a vision for your marriage. You're going to have to have a vision for your career. You're going to have to have a vision and all of that must tie up to the eternal vision that God has for your life. If you don't have that, then you're going to begin to seek different things. So you're going to look for things that will satisfy you from moment to moment, but it's not going to do anything more than just satisfy you for the moment. So you've got to get to that place. I've learned that I need to have a vision for my marriage. That means for those that are married, that means you've got to know where is this marriage going to? Because if our marriage is only that we get married, but what, what, what else? When you have your children and your children, your, your, your vision cannot only be for your children because eventually they'll grow up and have their own vision. Right? Your vision cannot be just for your career because there comes a time when your career ends, but your life doesn't end at that time. Many of us only work till we get pension off. After that, we're waiting to just expire. It means to transition, to get away, to die. I don't want to live like that. Your life cannot be just about dying or just getting pension. So I'll, I'll have a lot of fun till I'm, while I'm working, but once I finish, now I've got no nothing. No one wants me, no one needs me. No, no, no. You're, it's still life. And people are living longer now. You're not at that. I mean, Gogo is an example. She's living well into her 80s. 
number 84. Gogo? She's around there. Yeah. So you need to understand, if you're going to live past 60, that's another 24 years, 25 years. What you going to do? It can't, it can't only be about wake up in the morning, eat, go to sleep at night. I don't want to live. I still believe there's something more that I can give. Yeah. Yeah. There needs to be more to life. So you need to start preparing for it. You can't wake up. You have to have a vision for your marriage. I was saying earlier in the morning, you know, Annie and I are married 25, 26 years this year. You know, she look at me like I'm being tested. But 26 years. And, and, and the reality is that the person that I married, she's changed. She's not the same. Is it? She looks better now because she's with me. My <laughs> <laughs> mom is not here. Doesn't? But that's what it should be. You should look better every year. Because that person with you makes you better. Adds value to you. That's why when you choose a life partner, you just don't choose anything. And you don't choose other people's leftovers. And other people's second hands. You don't be anybody's spare wheel. You've got a vision for your life. Your vision for your life can't be a spare wheel. Your vision for your life can't be with someone that can't commit. Come on. Your vision for your life must be with someone that has a dream that is together going to build something. Amen? And something that will last, something that will speak of your time together. So this is very important for us. Amen? So even when you're finding somebody, if you're dating and you're courting and all those things, make sure not wasting time. Amen? Because you've got eternal purpose to that, that is at, at, at jeopardy. Amen? I'm not just going around having fun. You know that you, you, you carry the spirits of everyone that you date and you spend time, you spend your life with, with you all the time. You know that? Yeah. Ask some people that have lived some life. They'll tell you, you carry that, those things with you. And I'll share with you a few more things. So understand the, the scripture that says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. May God deliver you from all your fears. If, the, if anything in the last year, almost year and a half, has taught us the fears of everybody has been heightened. I mean, we're fearful of everything. You go into a shopping center and someone sneezes or coughs. Hey. All of a sudden, everybody. You think, oh, Jesus. Listen, someone tell you they got fever in your family, you already panicked. Fear has got us. And I think we got to have to come to the fact of understanding when I call upon God and, I, and He answers me, the Bible says He delivers me from all fear. May God deliver you from all fear. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Every day speak that over your life. When, they, 
when 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 you sense a spirit of fear coming over you, say I, I <coughs> sorry, I, I spoke about fear. <laughs> it says God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Then it says in verse 5, those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. That means, he says, those who look to him are radiant. That means they're bright in their faces. Amen? There's an excitement in their face. Even past their mask, you can still see them smiling. You can still see the joy of the Lord even in their hearts. Amen? That means those that look to God are radiant. I pray and I speak over your life. May you be radiant. May you shine with the light and the love of God continuously on your life. May you, when people look at you, they don't see you only worried and concerned and downcast. You, you, you know you can look at somebody and you can see that things are not going well with them. You can almost see worry on their face. But I pray as children of the living God, you may be going through a greatest storm in your life. But because your, your, your peace and the anchor of your soul is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, you will be, be not worried about anything because God has got you. Amen. May you be radiant in your face. Amen. That means you're not waking up with dark circles around your eyes. You're not working, waking up in, in, in the morning. You, 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 you're just tired and you, you just don't feel like getting up. You don't feel like speaking. You don't feel like doing anything. May you be radiant. May the joy of the Lord fill your heart and your soul. Because you know who you belong to. You know whose you are. Amen. You may have some struggles. You may have some, some difficulties. But that doesn't define who you are. Who your God is to you. But I want you to know that you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. The Bible says that those who look to him are radiant in their faces. It says the poor man called and God heard him, saved him out of his troubles. And then verse 7 it says, And the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. May I believe that the Lord has given his angels charge concerning you. Amen. I declare over your life, the Lord has given his angels charge concerning you. The Bible says they encamp around you. That means they, 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 they surround you, they protect you all around. May, may the angel of the Lord protect you. The Bible says in Zechariah that he will be the wall of fire around us and the glory in our midst. Amen. God is protecting you. He's delivering you. But verse 8, this is what he says. He says, taste and see. That the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That means there's only one way of getting to know God. Is by being a partaker of his grace, of his power and of his anointing. How many of you know that that's one of the biggest challenges for many of us? We don't know who the Lord is in our life. The Bible says, taste of him, taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. Now, this is the, the, the biggest challenge in our lives that many of us don't allow the Lord to become real in our lives. We don't allow the Lord to watch over us, take care of us. So you've got to get to the place where you get to know God more and more. The last one, it says, fear the Lord, you, his people, for those who fear him lack nothing. 
there's one thing that we need to do. We should have the fear of the Lord in our hearts and in our lives. That means more than anything else, we have the fear of the Lord in our hearts and our lives. That means this is reverential fear. That means saying, God, everything that I do, does it please God? Is it in the will of the Lord? Is it God's desire and plan for my life? Some of us, only certain things, we ask God's direction of. But maybe getting to the habit of everything that we need, we keep asking God for his direction and for his word concerning our lives. It says the, the lions grow weak and they grow hungry, but those that, that seek the Lord will lack no good thing. I speak over your life. May you lack no good thing. May you see the hand of the Lord over your life. But more than anything else, taste and see. The Lord is good. Amen. Jesus says, you cannot have any part of me to eat my flesh and drink my blood. That means he was speaking in, in, in a metaphor, speaking about that we have to become partakers of his death and his resurrection. And let the power of God be at work in us. Come, let's just bow our heads together in the mighty name of Jesus. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. You are truly worthy, O oh God. You are truly worthy, O oh God. So, Father, we pray today over your sons and your daughters. We pray over this gathering today. May we have a vision for our lives. May we have a vision for our families. May we have a vision for our homes, our careers. But more than anything else, O oh God, may we know what the vision of God for our lives is. What is the mandate that you have called us? What is the gift and the grace that you have placed in our lives? That we pray today, O oh God, watch over your people. May we be equipped. May we be empowered. May we be strengthened to do all that you called us to do. We pray your blessing over your people today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 Come on, let's just stand to our feet. Amen. We're going to disaster the worship team to, to lead us in song. We're going to take up our tithes and our offerings.